The Folklore Podcast continues to exist and remain free to listen to because of the support of our wonderful Patreon supporters. They contribute a small amount each month, anything from just a dollar, and in return, they receive exclusive bonus content, folklore audiobook partworks, PDF texts, and more. To join them and keep the show going, please visit www.patreon.com slash the folklore podcast. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Folklore Podcast. I'm Mark Norman, folklore researcher and author. A couple of pieces of news since the last episode for those who don't follow our Twitter feed. Firstly, the podcast continues to develop. This season's interviews are tending to be longer, and we have the addition of music to play each show out. Because of this, we have now outgrown our original hosting plan for the amount of content that can be put out each month. Thanks to our ongoing Patreon support, we have now been able to upgrade the plan with our hosting service, more than doubling the amount of server space we are allocated each month. The result will be longer episodes and more additional content on the main feed in the future. Secondly, after a short campaign on social media, we have been lucky enough to have a team of especially engaged listeners sign up as volunteers for the podcast. Under the direction of team leaders, they will have the opportunity to research for the show, write bonus content for the Patreon feed, or blog for the website, produce artwork and music for the show. So many wanted to show their support for a podcast that they say they love listening to, and I am humbled to have that help on board. Time will tell just how many directions this will allow us to explore. I am delighted to be working especially closely at the moment with Holly at the Centre for Folklore, Myth and Magic. Having run a similar call for volunteers recently, we have some people helping both of us out, which will increase synergy between us. In May, we join up to host a weekend live event exploring the darker side of fairy folklore. After that, who knows where we can take our respective projects to further the spread of folklore. These are exciting times. For today's episode of the podcast, I thought I would release another recording made at a folklore event. This time, the event is the Folklore Society's Beasts in Legend and Tradition conference, which was held in 2013 at Paynton Zoo, and the presentation is one on Bulgarian dragons, performed by storytelling group A Spell in Time. A Spell in Time is a unique British-Bulgarian storytelling performance company that brings Bulgaria's extraordinary traditional tales to English-speaking audiences for the very first time. It was formed in 1995 by storyteller Moni Sheehan, who is half Bulgarian, and musician Ivor Davis. With a spellbinding mix of traditional storytelling, folklore, ritual and evocative music, the company has gained acclaim in the UK and abroad for its passionate and poetic performances. 
Bulgaria's traditional tales have ancient origins and are largely unknown in the West. They are magical and deliciously dark with a dash of humour. Archetypal characters, thrilling narratives and exquisite imagery combine to conjure the intense world of dream and a mythic age of long ago when anything was possible. Beautifully atmospheric and profoundly entertaining, they cross the boundaries of space and time to speak to the heart, the mind and the soul. A Spell in Time's performances are based on authentic Bulgarian heroic epics, mythological ballads, ritual songs, legends, folk and fairy tales, translated by mother and daughter team Paraskeva Armstrong and Moni Sheehan. These narratives were handed down orally over generations and collected by Bulgarian folklorists from village storytellers and singers. Here are storyteller Moni Sheehan and musician Ivor Davis with a look at the Bulgarian dragon known as the Zmei. Apologies for the less than usually good standard of the first minute or so of this piece, which was recorded live at Paynton Zoo, where the occasional animal sound in the background hopefully adds to the ambience. Um, hi there, uh, good morning. We are on Moni, this is Ivor. Together we are a spell in time. We are uh, tell Bulgarian stories and today we're going to introduce you to the Bulgarian dragon. Uh, and his name is the Zmei. He's called a Zmei. Now, he may look similar to Western dragons. That is, he's a bit like a, a flying reptile or snake. But, in fact, he's a very different sort of beastie. For a start, he is a warrior. He fights against the Lamia, who is a demon of drought that um, harms the crops. And the Zmei guards fertility. He fights against the Lamia to protect the harvest. His weapons are thunder and lightning. So whenever you hear the thunder crack and the lightning flash, that is when the Zmei is at war with the Lamia. But he is also a shapeshifter. He's part reptile, part bird, but just a little bit human. And sometimes the Zmei wears his dragon skin on the inside. And that is when he's at his most dangerous because he craves the love of beautiful maidens. <laughs> so now I'm going to tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was a girl whose name was Rada, and she was so that she shone like the sun. But Radha was also proud, as proud as a mountain. And one day she sat with a group of maidens in a forest meadow, and they talked together about life, about love, and about boys. About which boys were the most handsome, 
which ones could be trusted, and about the danger from dragons when they wore their dragon skins on the inside. Radha, the beautiful, proud Radha, she sat and she listened quietly. Then at last she spoke. I, she said, am a maiden above all maidens. No man or dragon will ever trick me. Hush, Radha, said her friends, in case a forest dragon is listening. And anyway, when a dragon wears his skin on the inside, how will you know? How can you tell? But the maidens sat there and they talked while the shadows lengthened. And then, when the flame of sunset spread across the sky, they gathered their things together and they set off for the Sijanka. Now, the Sijanka is a social gathering. It's half party and half working bee. A place where young people can meet where boys and girls can get to know each other and find out who likes who. So the girls arrived at the Sijanka in great excitement. They entered the room, they sat down, they took out their embroidery, their distaffs and their spindles, and they began to work. Fingers threading and stitching, Spindles twisting and turning and hearts beating and beating as they waited in excitement for the boys to arrive. The boys came from all around, in small groups, in twos, in threes, and as they entered the room, they looked around, and some of them sat down next to the knee of the girl they liked the best. Then the door opened, and a breeze entered, although there was no wind. A flame burnt, although there was no fire. And in stepped a beautiful young man, with midnight in his hair and a sparkle in his eye. And every head in the room turned towards him. And a sigh leapt in every maiden's heart, and a dream awoke in every maiden's eye. And as Radha watched, the young man walked towards her. He sat down next to her, right by her knee. And he smiled, and she shivered with excitement. <laughs> then he pulled from his pocket a wooden flute, a honey-voiced caval. He put it to his lips, and he began to play. And so sweet was the sound, that all tongues were stilled, all fingers ceased their work, and everyone listened, as if spellbound. And the young man said, Come with me and be my bride. I live in a magnificent palace with white stone towers. I have riches beyond your wildest dreams. I will take you places that you have never been. I will show you sights that you have never seen. Come with me, 
Then said the young man, meet me as soon as you can at the crossroads at the edge of the village. And then who was gone? Fingers began to work once more and tongues to chatter. Everything was as it had been before, as if there had been a slip in time, as if nothing had happened. But something had happened. Radha's heart had changed. She was in love. And as soon as she could, she slipped out of the Sajanka. She ran along that road, bone white in the moonlight. She came to the crossroads. And there he was, the young man. And next to him stood a magnificent white horse with six wings. And the young man lifted Radha onto the horse's back. He mounted behind her and up into the sky they soared. Between heaven and earth they flew. Beyond nine green forests over nine high mountains until at last they began to descend down, down, down towards a barren mountainside with rocky outcrops like white stone towers. Then the mountain opened beneath them and they dropped down inside it into a huge, deep, dark cavern lit only by the glow burning embers. Then the earth closed over the top of them. The young man dismounted. He lifted Radha down from the saddle. Radha, he said, this is my palace. Then there came a hissing and a spitting sound. And from out of the shadows there slithered a fierce serpent with tongue flicking. And this, my love, is my dear old mother. <laughs> then the darkness in front of Radha began to sizzle and crackle. And there stepped forth two women, hair of flame, eyes of fire. And these Radha's heart sank. Her blood ran cold. I want to go home, she said, back to my mother. Radha, when you ran away with me, you bade farewell to your mother. You're a dragon's bride now. Then the young man went and he took from a crevice in the rock a pair of iron shoes, beautifully wrought. He knelt down in front of her and tenderly he put the iron shoes upon her feet. Radha, when these iron shoes wear out, then you can visit your mother 
but this now is your home. That night, the dragon went to He coiled himself around her. She felt the heat of his breath upon her skin, his fire upon her body. Dragon's skin lit only by the glow of dragon's breath. Deep into the heart of the mountain she walked, where the only sound was the slow drip drip of water that wept down from the world above and the striking of her heavy iron shoes upon rock. She longed for sunlight and the sound of human laughter. But the heavy iron shoes bound her under the dragon's spell. And as time passed, she felt a stirring in her belly. For the dragon had sown his seed within her and it was scratching to get out. And after eleven months, she gave birth to a child. A beautiful baby boy looked human, except beneath his arms he had tiny dragon wings. Then the dragon went in the dead of night to the village, and he brought in secret twelve maidens to weave a shirt for the dragon child, so that he could walk unnoticed in the human world, and none would see his dragon nature except the pure at heart. And when the maiden's gone, Radha felt the darkness close in on her more than ever. She spent her days weeping, her soul grew thin, and even her child brought her no comfort. Then one day, her sister-in-law, the dragoness, came to her. Enough, Radha, she said, enough of this weeping. Don't you like it here in our dragon kingdom? Do you not see its dark beauty, the secret treasures at its heart? And Radha said, I want to go home. I miss my mother. I see her weeping at my grave. Oh, when will these iron shoes wear out? And the dragoness took pity on her. Radha, she said, I'll tell you what to do. But you must not breathe a word of it to my brother. Each night before you go to bed, bury the iron shoes beneath the burning embers, and each morning sprinkle the iron shoes with cold water, and they'll soon wear out. So that's what Radha did. Each night she buried the iron shoes beneath the burning embers, and each morning she sprinkled the shoes with cold water. And as the cold water struck the red-hot iron, there would come a hissing, a sizzling, and a spitting sound. She did that 
every day for three months. Then one morning she sprinkled the cold water on the iron shoes. There was the spitting, the hissing and the sizzling and an almighty crack. The iron shoes had split clean in two. She went to the dragon. My husband, she said, look, look, the iron shoes have worn out. Now keep your promise, husband, and take me to visit my mother. Very well, said the dragon. We'll leave tomorrow morning. The next morning they set out on the dragon's six-winged horse, Radha carrying the child in her arms. Up out of the darkness of the cave they rose into the brightness of a new day. The sun had just risen, and the earth was all glorious and golden, and the air was full of birdsong. Beyond nine green forests they flew, over nine high mountains, until at last they saw below them the forest meadows near Radha's village. It was St. George's Day. The most magic of days. And there were maidens in the dew-spun meadows, and they were picking herbs and flowers. Then the dragon began to sniffle and sneeze. Radha, he said, Radha, there, there are herbs in that meadow that make me ill. I smell, oh, lovage, wormwood, and, and, and tansy. Quickly, they flew over and past the meadow, and they came down to earth at the crossroads at the edge of Radha's village. Then the dragon said, Radha, no one must see me in this shape. No one must know. So I will transform myself into a garland about your head and our child into a silver ring upon your finger. When you get to your house, hang the garland on a hook on the wall and I will be there with you, my love, keeping watch over you, keeping you safe until it's time for you to return. Then, there he was, the dragon, a garland about Radha's head. And there was the child, a silver ring upon her finger. And Radha set off along the road that led to her home, the road that she had thought she would never see again. She reached her house. She pushed open the door. And there inside sat her mother, a woman grown old with grief. She rose to her feet when she saw Radha. Radha, my daughter, she said, is that really? I thought you were dead. I wept at your grave. I lit candles for you. Then Radha took the wreath from her head. She hung it on a hook on the wall. Mother, she said, it is I. I am here. When the two women hugged each other, they kissed each other and they wept.
Ella's mother said, My daughter, you look so pale and so thin. Come outside and sit with me in the sunlight in the garden. So the two women went and they sat outside. And then Rada turned and she whispered to her mother, Mother, be quick. Go to the meadows and from there, fetch Lovitch, Wormwood and Tansy. Put them into a bowl of cold water and sprinkle that cold water onto the garland that hangs on a hook in the house. Quickly then ran Rada's mother. She plucked Lovitch, Wormwood and Tansy. She put them into a bowl of cold water. Those herbs that dragons fear. And then she sprinkled the water on the garland that hung on the hook in the wall. And as she did so, there came a hissing, a sizzling and a spitting sound, and the garland began to shrivel. And a plume of black smoke billowed forth out of the window and up out of the house. And from out of the smoke came the dragon's voice. Rada, he cried, why have you betrayed me? You have scorched my heart and burnt my soul. Don't you know that no man will ever love you like I do? And then he was gone, vanished on the air. And the spell that had bound Rada to the dragon was broken forever. Rada looked down and there in her arms was her beautiful boy child, his dragon wings hidden beneath his magic shirt. She lifted him up in the air. She dandled him in her hands. Now, she said, what are we going to do with you, you little monster? For this now is your home. girls, three friends, sat embroidering embroidery and crying tiny tears, and they spoke together about who loved The first one said, I love a farmer. The second one said, I love a shepherd. The third one said, I love a he comes to me in the evening, in the middle of the night. Quietly he knocks and quietly he enters, so that no one can see him, so that no one will know. Tonight the dragon will come. He will come and he will take me away. My thanks to Moni and Iva for giving permission for this recording to be released on the podcast. You'll find links on the Folklore Podcast website to the Spell in Time page and also to today's musical guest. Playing out this episode of the Folklore Podcast is singer Polly Preacher with the song Jennifer Gentle. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
inspired him to begin a process called a self-improving. But then he began to find lights like you as he said, girl, at you I am fearless. Now his only career goal is to capture Jennifer Gentle, cause she Thank you.